0: everyone it's deb
1: and i'm pete
0: and i'm jess welcome to another episode of garthology this is season two episode 34 and this will be our last episode for this year we will be taking a couple of weeks off and return in 2022 with season three in today's episode we'll be finishing up from our last episode by looking at the last five songs on garth brooks's fourth studio album and his first Christmas album, Beyond the Season. As I mentioned in our last episode, Garth's Beyond the Season was released on August 25th, 1992, a summertime release of a Christmas album, which is really unusual. And it ended up being the best-selling Christmas-slash-holiday album of 1992 in the United States, so the early release definitely worked for Garth. But another thing that makes it selling so well even more amazing is that Beyond the Season wasn't Garth's only album release in 1992. Just 28 days after Beyond the Season came out, Garth also released The Chase, which also went on to become one of the best-selling albums that year, and has since been certified Diamond by the RIAA. A Diamond certification means 10 million copies sold. So for one artist to have two albums released in the same year and have both of them do well is amazing. I'm sure there was some concern that there would be Garth overload, but that definitely wasn't an issue. Let's finish off this great Christmas album by going over to Jess for our first song, which is song number seven on Beyond the Season.
2: Okay, song number seven is The Friendly Beasts.
0: Jesus,
2: our brother,
1: kind and good. I said the donkey Shaggy and brown I carried his mother Up hill and down I carried her safely To Bethlehem town I said the donkey Shaggy and brown
0: I said the cow
2: The Friendly Beasts is a sweet children's Christmas song, and it wasn't really my favorite on the album, I have to say, but there was kind of a cool juxtaposition between the music and the lyrics on this one. It, The music didn't seem to quite go along with what the words were saying to me, um, which I found interesting, but I actually like the music. I just wasn't a big fan of the storyline. Um, I did like how the voices for each kind of character were different, so they had somebody singing each part, and I enjoyed that. And I like how Garth played the narrator role here. And the author for this was just listed as traditional. So I was like, if this is a traditional song, I had actually never heard it before. But that's all I could find as far as a writer for this song. So if you guys happen to stumble upon who wrote it, that would be very interesting to me because I couldn't find anything. So what did
0: you guys find? Well, actually, so I didn't find anything other than that it is a traditional song. But what I did find out is something you. You touched on and may not have found, which I was shocked when I found it because I didn't know. But the different voices for the different animals. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, ready for this? Stephanie Davis sings the cow. Okay. She wrote Wolves and the Gift for Garth. Yeah. The sheep is Larry Bastion, who wrote I've Got a Good Thing Going, Cowboy Bill, Nobody Gets Off in This Town, Unanswered Prayers, Rodeo, The Old Man's Back in Town. Victoria Shaw, who wrote The River, sings for the dove, and Tony Arada sings the camel's verse.
2: Well, that's cool that it was all his songwriters.
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Isn't that amazing? I didn't know that. I had no idea. And when I found that, I was shocked. I searched for it in a couple different places because I was like, is this really true? Because if it is, that's super cool. That's neat. Yeah, I found it in a couple different places. So I believe it to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that is neat. I thought that was really cool. I agree, not one of my favorite songs on the album. I think Garth's vocals are good. I just, my favorite thing about this whole song is the fact that he's got his songwriters on there singing as those parts. I thought that was really cool.
2: Had you heard it before though?
0: No, never.
2: Before the, Before hearing it on the okay. Right. Because when it's the traditional, I was like, well, I don't know where I fell off the grid out and missed it, but I never heard it.
0: No, I've never heard it from anyone but on this album. Yeah. Huh. What
2: about you, Pete? Had you heard it? Hmm, no. Okay, well, I <laughs> I, I, no, I, I no. figured that was a safe bet, but I didn't want to leave you out. What did you think about it?
1: <laughs> I, I appreciate that. No, I didn't hear it. I, I really struggled to follow the story. I do have right here, I did like how there were other voices and how they fit into the song, but I had no idea what the other voices meant. And now you're saying that there's characters? <laughs> now it all makes sense. <laughs> I didn't know there were other characters. I thought there were just random people singing on the song. I didn't know camels and doves. Like, I lost it. Sorry. Like,
2: I can just see Pete listening to this album and his eyes were glazed over the entire time. Like, this was torture. Sorry, Garth. It was the Christmas. I was like,
1: listening to a song. Oh, look, fly. There's a fly in the room. But that's not, not not for the whole album. There were some ones that got that got I it kept me interested, but this was one of those ones where I uh it wasn't my favorite.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it wasn't a favorite for any of us. And that's okay. You know, I'm sure someone out there it was their favorite one. So we will um move on to the next one and maybe we did a little better with that one. So that's song number 8. Deb, what do you have for us?
0: Yes, I have song number eight, and it is Santa Looked a Lot Like Daddy. Her daddy looked a lot like him. It's not the way I had him pictured.
1: Santa wasn't much too thin. He didn't come down to me. So mama must have lived in me. Santa looked a lot like daddy. Her daddy looked a lot like him.
0: Santa Looked a Lot Like Daddy was written by Buck Owens and Don Rich. Buck Owens was the front man for Buck Owens and the Buckaroos, which had 21 number one hits on the Billboard Country Music chart. In 1965, his band released the album Christmas with Buck Owens and His Buckaroos, which included the original recording of Santa Looked a Lot Like Daddy. Since then, other artists have covered this country Christmas song, including Travis Tritt, Brad Paisley, and more. In this cover, Garth has done the original proud. It's upbeat and fun. Garth's vocals are great, and he sounds especially twangy on this one. He brings the perfect blend of holiday fun and cute imagery to life. I think kids of all ages must enjoy this happy song. What did you think, Pete?
1: Santa looked a lot like Daddy is a Christmas song that I can get down to. This one has that really country, upbeat sound. I found myself really getting after this one. It's a cool story that has a lot of fun, and the instruments in the background are country through and through. If there was one, just one Christmas song, other than all your other typical songs, that I would have to listen to over and over again, this would be that one for me. This song is a lot of fun and one that I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, Even afterwards, like I I had the kids listen to it and uh, it was cool and I enjoyed this one. What about you, Jess? What did you think?
2: I I enjoyed this one too. It's such a fun song. And I actually, this is the one song off the album, aside from like White Christmas that I knew a version of Mm -hmm. that I knew that was like specific to the album, but I knew because I remember this one coming out and they actually played it on the radio a lot. So I love the line, then I'm going to tell on them. Yeah, It always kind of cracked me up. But I remember hearing this one all the time growing up. I don't know if they played it on all the stations, but definitely here in Oklahoma, they did play it a lot at Christmas time. And my parents liked this one a lot. So it got played in our house. And um, my stepdad's a big music fan and a big country music fan. And he liked that one. So, you know, when dad controls the radio station, you listen to what dad listens to. And we actually heard this one a lot. So um, at least at Christmas time anyway.
0: Alright, Pete, what can you tell us about our third song in today's episode, song number nine on the album?
1: Yeah, I get song number nine, Silent Night. Silent night
0: Holy night All is calm
1: All is bright Around young girl so tender and mine. Silent Night was composed in 1818 by Franz Xaver Gruber to the lyrics by Joseph Moore This is one of the most popular Christmas songs This is another song, when I hear it I know where in the season we are and what it's all about I have heard a lot of covered versions of Silent Night, but to me Garth's cover, it's one I could listen to over and over again. There is something about his voice. It really is soothing and the way that he sings it, his voice, and the piano. And the limited instruments in the background really just fit this one. In the middle of this version, Garth tells a story of his favorite Christmas in 1987, when he and his then-wife Sandy were driving back to Oklahoma, and the roads were so icy and bad that they did not think that they would make it. Then the sun broke through and cleared the roads enough for them to make it to see family and his mama. That story really puts a smile on my face when I hear him tell it in the middle of that song. I had never listened to this album. So I had never heard that before doing the research here. I will forever remember this song because of that story. Now, obviously I'll remember the song because I know the song, but this song now, that part, that story will always stick out in my mind every time that I hear the song come on the radio around the holidays. So, um, you know, again, another just a real traditional Christmas song that when it plays, you know what's coming. Empty bank accounts and a lot of cookies. <laughs> but, you know, what are you going to do? So Jess, what are your thoughts on this one?
2: I also had that it was a very traditional choice, kind of along the lines of White Christmas, and but it's a good fit for any Christmas album. I love that he shared a personal story in the middle of the song. I thought that that kind of made this song that is a traditional choice Something specific for him for this album, because it was a way to make it different.
1: Agreed. Yep.
2: And it it was a good fit. The song fit his voice very well. It was right in a perfect register for him. I feel like he he often picks songs that are perfect for his voice and sometimes things that, you know, we've covered some of the cover albums where it's like outside of what's normal for him, but yet it still seems to be something that he makes it fit somehow. Like it it's never really a reach. Um, but this one definitely was like right down the middle for him. And it's one that everyone knows when you can sing along with. And this is another one that I'm pretty sure Trisha did harmonies on. Again, without looking, but I'm pretty positive. I think that's all I really had from it. It's hard to take too much away from Silent Night. It's a beautiful song. I love it as a Christmas song. How about you, Deb? What do you think about this one?
0: Yeah, I think this is the perfect Christmas song to show Garth singing Chops. I think his version is one of the best renditions of this song that exists, and there's a lot out there. And I know, like, I'm with you guys. I love that story in the middle. I know for some, maybe his, you know, that personal little voiceover is too sappy, but my heart loves how tender it is. Like, I just love it so much, and I don't care if the story is true or not. As far as I'm concerned, it is true. And that is exactly what happened in the Christmas of 1987, (laughs) because I want to believe that that story means as much to him as it does to me. Because every time I hear that song, that is what stands out. And like you guys said, it makes this song original to him. And I love it all the more because of that. The song itself just, it reminds me of home and family. And then when the crowd sings the last chorus... Which I just picture that as being all of his family. I just feel like kind of like um, Friends in Low Places, where they just brought a lot of people in and had all those people mm-hmm. singing. That's what this feels like. That last chorus of that crowd of people, I feel is just like all sorts of people that he knew. And he just said, come into the studio and record this, you know, this last chorus with me. So I'm all in for this song for sure. I love it.
1: Yeah, it definitely is overall favorite to a lot of people. But that will do it for Silent Night. And I cannot wait to hear what Jess has to say about the next song. (laughs) Jess, what's up next?
2: You guys, I have song number 10 and it's called Mary's Dream. I was really excited about this one because I know Peter wanted to cover this one. (laughs) (laughs) I have to tell you, though, I actually missed this song. I was listening. How did you not miss it?
1: It's 54 seconds of nothing. It's actually only 50 seconds. (laughs) Whatever. It seemed like it went on forever, whatever it was.
2: I was waiting for the next song to start, and I had my list written down, and I was like, somewhere I missed a song what did I do? And I literally thought it was like outro music at the end of Silent Night. And I had to go back because I missed (laughs) the entire thing. Um, It is a beautiful instrumental. And the the music is very lovely. But there's not too much to say about it. It's very short. It's less than a minute. There's nothing especially Christmassy about it, I don't think. Like I even listen to it again to sometimes I hear things and I'm like, oh, that just sounds like Christmas It's like Christmas bells or something it doesn't even but yeah they
1: could have rang a bell or yeah, something yeah it just
2: it didn't even really sound christmasy to me although it was pretty it was written by or composed by mark kess stevens and bobby wood and they did a beautiful job on it i'm just not really sure what place it filled on this album i'm sure garth had something in mind
1: yeah 54 seconds of void
0: <laughs> did you guys have anything to add about this The only thing I decided to add about this is, as far as I'm concerned, Garth can do whatever he wants. Well, that's true. (laughs) So the music's beautiful. I'm guessing it had some kind of special meaning to Garth. So I say, you go, Garth.
1: Listen, I'll tell you guys (laughs) what happened. Oh, good. Garth lost a bet to whoever the (laughs) composer was of the song and said, if if I lose his bet, I'll put your stuff on the song. He's like, I need a little
2: Christmas money. And Garth was like, okay i'll give you i'll give you one minute on the album
1: yeah and then gar said what kind of lyrics could we put to 50 seconds of whatever this was and everybody decided none so they just threw some instruments on and then bam just got the best song quick easiest song on the entire album that's what there is to say about it
2: there you go we knew that that was gonna be a quick one we really did we wrestled with it, but...
1: You know what? Honest to God, I wouldn't have been mad if they put five more of these on this freaking album. We would have been done with this a long time ago.
2: Oh, your joy for Christmas just astounds me.
1: They should have done White Christmas, Silent Night, Daddy Looks a Lot Like Santa, four more of these, boom, closes some, we're out of here. Oh,
2: that would have been perfect for you, but maybe not for the people who actually enjoy Christmas, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I would...
1: Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I, I like. I felt like I was like, I'm like watching it like on Amazon Music, right? And I'm like, and I'm clicking, okay, back. And it play and I'm like, it's Amazon, they don't have it. Like they don't have the lyric. They don't have the rest of the song. <laughs> so I'm searching all over the internet. You can't find nothing on it. So I was like, listen, Mary's dream for me was not much. It's just instruments. That's it. That's what I was coming to this about. That's what I had. That's what I had here.
0: You were right. Oh well.
1: Anyways, Deb, I uh, we heard your thoughts, Deb. So I guess Jess, it's time to wrap this. <laughs> yeah, up.
2: Yeah, that was it, guys. Sorry, we we. If you can come up with something more to say about this one, please feel free to send in. You could probably fit it in a tweet, but please feel free to send us your thoughts on it. Otherwise,
1: get one letter per
0: second.
2: <laughs> we're gonna move on to the last song. So, Deb, what is our song
0: number eleven? Song number eleven, the final song on Beyond the Season, is "What Child Is This." The
2: sign and word is pleasing. This, this
1: is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing.
2: Hail, hail the word made flesh, the
1: Son
0: of what Child is This is a Christmas carol with lyrics written by William Chatterton Dix in 1865. Although written in Great Britain, it's said that today this carol is more popular in the United States than in its country of origin. The carol was subsequently set to the tune of Sleeves which is a traditional English folk song in 1871. The Greensleeves' tune is an odd choice for a song about the birth of Jesus, because some legends say that the tune was written by Henry VIII for Anne Boleyn, but others suggest that that isn't true. However, it is true that Greensleeves' was originally about a painful romantic dilemma and even included what some historians view as subtly racy lyrics. According to historians, Green Sleeves is about getting a dress dirty while rolling around in the grass. So, although looking back, it seems like an odd choice to combine a carol about the birth of Christ with the music from a racy tune, they actually blend seamlessly together. The meaningful lyrics and the soulful melody of the carol captures the birth of Christ like no other. I've been listening to various renditions of this song my whole life, from Burl Ives to John Denver to Josh Groban. There's even one done by Andrea Bocelli and Mary J. Blige, which is absolutely breathtaking. If you haven't heard it, I suggest you go out and listen to it. It is on Amazon Music, and it's worth taking a break to listen to it. I think that Garth's version is its a perfect addition to the varied pool of performers that have recorded this song. And I think the choir singing with Garth in this version is gorgeous. I could listen to them performing with him while he reads the phone book, as the saying goes. So ultimately, I think this is the perfect traditional song for Garth to put on his first Christmas album. I think he did a great job on recording it. And I think that's probably the perfect song to end this album on. And we all know how he thinks, you know, that ending slot is always a big deal to him. And I have a feeling that's why he chose this one for the ending. Pete, what did you think?
1: Yeah. What child is this? Like this one had all the feels. Something about Garth's voice, the background choir, their vocals. Like it grabbed my ear, but not for the lyrics and the story. It was because the instruments and that background vocal from the choir Garth has a voice that I will always listen to. But in this song, like I heard it, but I didn't listen to Garth's voice like I do in other songs. In this song, I listened to what was going on in the background. That's what kept catching my attention. And honestly, as many times as I listened to it, that's all I took from it. Just what was going on in the background with that choir. I like I loved it. I love the choir background on this one. But I could also tell with the story of it and the way that the song fit in the album made perfect sense to me when I heard it, how it became the final song on the album. Like you were saying, a great way to wrap up an entire album, minus one that was 54 seconds of instruments, (laughs) but a great album. So this was not easy for me to get through, but there was enough good in this Christmas album that... I enjoyed getting through the whole thing. And quite honestly, the CD is still in the car. We were listening to it um, out Christmas shopping and all that. And Stephanie's like, see, you know, she was happy that I was listening to it. I had been driving my car, so I wasn't listening to it. But she (laughs) was happy that it was in there. And we did still listen to it. I like the way that this one finished it off. What about you, Jess?
2: So my thoughts on this song are that it's traditional, but maybe not as familiar to some people as like White Christmas or something like that. Uh, definitely if you grew up in church you heard this one but it is played everywhere like you'll hear it on the radio it's a slower one so maybe kids don't appreciate it as much but as you get older you appreciate that it's a, a Christmas song that gets played and it's a beautiful song it's a beautiful story but just the melody of Sleeves is beautiful um, I did not know the story of Greensleeves until the or the The possible story of green sleeves until the research for this song and that cracked me up i will forever think of someone getting their sleeves dirty and that completely (laughs) changed (laughs) because for years i knew that this was the theme to or the same music as green sleeves but i didn't know anything about what green sleeves was i just knew that name i know it from church and from choir And things like that. But this version I actually really like. Sometimes when you are already familiar with the version, you don't like a new one. But I really enjoyed actually Garth's version. So I'm glad that he put it on here. I agree. He put it at the end. So it probably meant something special to him. Whether it's just a song that he really likes. Or maybe it was a song his mom loved or something. I'm sure it meant something special to him. And so I'm glad he put this one on there. Because I
0: did really enjoy it. Agreed. Yeah, me too. Okay, everyone, that wraps up our discussion of the last five songs on Garth's Beyond the Season Christmas album. And as our second season comes to an end, we hope you all had a very Merry Christmas and we wish you all the happiest of New Year's. Personally, I would just like to say that I thank each and every one of you for joining our journey, and I really, truly look forward to bringing you more Garth information in the coming year.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for coming along with us on this journey. It's been so much fun. I can't believe we're going into season 3. So please come back and join us in the new year for season 3. It's been a blast with you so far and we're going to try to make it even more of a blast going forward. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy new year, and we'll see you guys next year.
1: Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you for everything. Um this has been a lot of fun and I'm really excited to see what we have to bring forward to you guys in season 3 and what you guys have in return for us with the interaction. Also, uh, with the holidays and the new year, I just want to uh, give thanks to all of our vets everywhere and current military men and women. We appreciate what you guys do, so we live in a free world, and I can't wait to see what 2022 brings for everybody. I know it's going to be uh, bigger and better for all of us, and uh, I wish the best and uh, happiness and health.
0: This has been Season 2, Episode 34 of Garthology, and I'm Deb.
1: I'm Pete.
2: And I'm
0: Jess. And we'll see you guys next year. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye,
1: everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to get you and you did it, damn it. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Happy New Year.
0: Happy New
2: Year. Way to end it on a bang. (laughs) I'll, yeah, I think. Uh, we'll go, sorry. I'm sorry, go ahead. Jess. No, I was just going to wrap it up.
1: No, oh, yeah. it's pizza That's right,
2: Go it? ahead. Yeah, yeah, I was going to.
1: Oh, I was like, yeah, you can. As a matter of fact, you can do the rest of this if you like. you're,
2: you're done now, by the way. I'm very distracted by trying to keep the baby happy.
1: In the middle of this version, Garth tells a story of his favorite Christmas in 1887. And I imagine yep, this was his nope. favorite. I'm sorry, 18- 1987. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, Bo is about done with this album too. Just so you know. <laughs> hey, buddy.
0: What are you doing, big guy?
1: We need to cut that man's hair.
0: Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, look this
1: way. Bo man.
0: He can't hear you. She's got know, know, on
1: <laughs> We should get him his own pair.
0: <laughs> What's up, buddy? Hey, big guy. <laughs> Bo man. This way.
1: Hey, buddy, what's up I'm not there?
0: Sure what he's looking at? There he is. <laughs> hey, buddy, what are you doing, bro? What's up, buddy? What are you doing?
1: You stud, you. We need to get that boy a Stetson cowboy hat.